0: Welcome to The Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. So why did Jesus cross the road? I don't know. Someone nailed him to a chicken. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan, and this is The Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from author and chef Anthony Bourdain. You can direct your letters to him, not me. Coming up, author and humorist Simon Rich, The Tan Tax, A Beard Band, Muhammad Ali vs. G.I. Joe, Honeymoon Highlights, and Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin. That's a band. But first, time for small talk. This week in the headlines, the theme was Better Never Than Late. There was movement on some of the big stories in the news, but for all of the wrong reasons. First up, BP. What else? After weeks and weeks of fouling up the planet and putting its foot in its mouth publicly, we finally heard an apology. Unfortunately, it came from Congressman Joe Barton, senior Republican on the House Energy and Commerce Committee, apologizing to BP. Fortunately, Republican leaders were able to stop Barton before he apologized to cancer. Also in the headlines this week, millions of people around the world have finally started to pay close attention to the world's poorest and most underdeveloped continent, even going so far to wake up in the wee hours of the morning to bear witness to the war and poverty that ravages that continent. Actually, they're just watching some guys kick a ball around. It's the World Cup. It's in Africa. And finally, some good news in Afghanistan. This week, it was reported that there may be up to a trillion dollars of minerals buried there. That money could go a long way to helping that impoverished nation. Unfortunately, the main mineral they discovered is lithium, the very thing Americans and Afghanis are going to need to cope with the trauma once the war is over. They're predicting there's not gonna be much left after that too, so for profit. So for some headlines that are unknown, but should be better known, I turn to my colleagues at Marketplace. Ben Adair, Editorial Director for Sustainability at Marketplace, what's your story this weekend? A city in northeastern Japan called Issei I think it's called has come out with a brilliant new effort to fight climate change they've banned beards how is this supposed to prevent climate change apparently it's part of a whole campaign they have there called cool biz they're trying to get companies to run their air conditioning less and now because beards make people so hot no more beards wait does this mean the North Pole's melting because of Santa Claus Stacey Vanek-Smith, senior reporter for Marketplace, what's your story?
1: A tanning tax is going into effect on July 1st.
0: Once again, New Jersey is going to carry an inordinate amount of this nation's tax load. I know.
1: Well, apparently, tanning booze are as bad for you as smoking, and they think that this could bring in more than $2.5 billion.
0: I heard they tried this in England, and it brought in no revenue at all. I <laughs> know. fill-in producer for Marketplace, What's your story this weekend? I love this one. IBM has
2: designed a supercomputer, and they're calling it
0: Watson, and they hope it'll be able to compete and win on Jeopardy this fall. (laughs) So my response comes in the form of a question. Why are the greatest minds of our generation spending time figuring out how to compete on Jeopardy? Correct. (laughs) Thanks, Alex. But you know, the the funny thing about this is is what happens when Watson goes insane, gets every question wrong, and starts trying to shave off Alex Trebek's
2: mustache?
3: (laughs)
0: And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you about something that happened in history and then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history's a congressman running for office, and instead of being flooded with cash from special interest groups, she's flooded by booze. First, the history. This week back in 1967, Muhammad Ali was sentenced to five years in prison. This week back in 2009, we already played this history, but cut me some slack. Now, some folks at your dinner party will know Muhammad Ali was sentenced to prison because he refused to be drafted. Our friend Michelle Philippi is here to tell us a few things your guests might
1: not know. Muhammad Ali's most famous match was against the US military. (laughs) Round one was in 1964. Ali's draft board declared he was physically able to serve in the army, but intellectually, not so much. He flunked the aptitude test, some say on purpose, Even so, he got a draft exemption. But a couple years later came round two. The Vietnam War had escalated, and so had the Army's need for soldiers. They lowered the minimum aptitude score and told Ali to report for induction. He did. Now, the Army probably wouldn't have sent the most famous athlete on earth into actual combat, but Ali felt war was against his Muslim faith. So when his name was called, he refused to step forward three times. Within minutes, he was charged with draft dodging and stripped of his boxing title. Suddenly, Ali symbolized two things many folks feared in the 60s, black pride and peaceniks. So he took a lot of flack, and he returned fire. You won't even stand up for me in America for my religious beliefs, and you want me to go somewhere and fight, but you won't even stand up for me here at home. When his case came to trial, the jury took just 20 minutes to return the verdict, guilty. Tied up in appeals, banned from the ring, Ali spent three of his prime years giving lectures until public opinion turned against the war. In 1970, he was allowed to fight again. He won his first bout in three rounds. And a year later, he won his case in the Supreme Court by unanimous decision. Who's the heavyweight champion of the world?
0: So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze or in this case, the non-booze. I'm on the line with Natalie Bovis Nelson, and she's known as the liquid muse. She actually just wrote a book on non-alcoholic cocktails, or mocktails, as we uh, don't call them. Since Muhammad Ali was a practicing Muslim, we thought it'd be appropriate to toast him with a non-alcoholic drink. So Natalie, what did Muhammad Ali's story inspire you to create for us?
4: I called this one The Butterfly Sting.
0: Oh, of course. It was
4: inspired by his fighting mantra Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee.
0: Okay. Okay,
4: so the butterfly sting starts with one time sprig uh, muddled in the bottom of a mixing glass or cocktail shaker with half ounce of lemon juice. Mm -hmm. Next thing that we're going to do is add an ounce of the honey syrup. Now, the honey syrup is one part honey to one part water. And then we're going to add two ounces of apple juice.
0: That's interesting. When I was a little kid, my grandfather would drink a little bit of whiskey And I would pour my apple juice out in a similar glass to the exact same height and pretend it was whiskey.
4: That is hilarious.
0: It's either hilarious or my grandfather should have been arrested. (laughs) So you finish it up with the apple juice and then...
4: Then we're going to fill the shaker with ice, give it a nice hard shake, and then we're going to strain it into a chilled martini glass. Add a splash of soda water or non-alcoholic champagne. Mm, Of course. And then lay uh, the other... Of time across the surface
0: of the drink, so the time kind of floats on the top of the drink like a butterfly, and the cocktail kind of stings
4: yeah. <laughs> like a
0: butterfly. Okay, so a little confession to make: uh, we aired that piece a year ago. Uh, it's a it's a rebroadcast, and I and I still haven't had a butterfly sting. I just have not found an occasion uh, where a non-alcoholic drink uh, was appropriate. You know, if you haven't been drinking, or even if you have, you can friend us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com backslash dinner party download.
4: Muhammad, Muhammad Ali He floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee Muhammad, the black superman
3: Catch me if you
0: can. Our guest of honor this week is author and humorist Simon Rich. At the tender age of 25, he is a writer at Saturday Night Live. He has been the editor of the National Lampoon. His work has appeared in the New Yorker. He's published two collections of humor. Jealous yet? (laughs) And he has a new novel out called Elliot Allagash. Simon, I was wondering if you could start us off by reading something from your collection of free range chickens um the the little excerpt called time machine great cool uh as as soon as
2: my time machine was finished i traveled back to 1890 so i could kill hitler before he was old enough to commit any of his horrible crimes it wasn't as gratifying as i thought it would be and then it's a conversation between me and and someone who saw me do it <clears throat> oh my god you killed a baby but yeah but the baby was hitler who hitler it's uh it's complicated officer this man just killed a baby.
0: <laughs> I totally end. love that. You know, and and it's indicative of your other work. You know, you managed to write lots of laugh out loud stuff, but you never resort to insults or or being mean. Was that a conscious choice? Definitely. I mean, I
2: uh, when I was growing up, the funny kids in school were always the meanest. You know, uh, and and they always made fun of me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, so for me. Uh, uh, I, I always, you know, I grew up watching things like Kids in the Hall and Mr. Show and The State, and my favorite scenes were the ones that were that weren't really like hit pieces. They're a little more premisey
0: and absurdist and, and and less hostile. Why Why did you decide to start writing books? I mean, in this day and age with YouTube being so prevalent, why not do video stuff? Part of it is just being terrible
2: at technology, <laughs> <laughs> and like I don't think I could make a video if I tried. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, also, just growing up, a lot of my favorite writers were book writers, you know, guys like Roald Dahl
0: and David Sedaris and Terry Southern. and Well, you mentioned Roald Dahl. I mean, that seems like a, a natural segue into your new book. Yeah. Elliot Allegheny. Yeah, straight straight up Roald Dahl ripoff. <laughs> Can you describe the premise of the sure. book? Sure. It's about an evil teenage billionaire.
2: He's been expelled from every top school in the world. He's had a new one, but he, he can't get kicked out this time because his dad just donated too much money to the school. <laughs> uh-huh. To amuse himself, he decides to, uh, to use his money to transform a kid named Seymour, who's uh, an overweight, uh, socially inept kind of kid, into the most popular kid in school.
0: Why did you choose high school as a setting for your first novel?
2: Well, I got the idea when I was uh, when I was in college, and I, I started uh, reading these books about Ivan the Terrible. Okay. I was really shocked and interested to to, to find out that uh, Ivan started killing people when he was like seven years old. Really? And that he was yeah, <laughs> and that he was like a this this evil prodigy, and he was hardcore crazy from the get-go. And so I I, I sort of got the the idea of, like, what if uh, if I took this character and threw him into a more
0: contemporary setting? I'd like to move us into a dinner party setting uh, with our two standard questions, the first of which is, what question are you tired of being asked at dinner parties? Who invited you to this dinner party? (laughs) What are you doing at this dinner party? Uh, Aren't you ashamed to be this drunk in public? (laughs) I often ask those same questions to... The mirror. Okay, our second question is: tell us something we don't know about you or the world.
2: I guess, a, I guess, the thing that most people don't know about me is like my name and the names of my books, I'm like, <laughs> you know, like that I exist. And that I'm, you know, uh, so that would be the big thing.
0: And you have a new book coming up, right?
2: Yeah, I sold it, but I, I've only written the first hundred pages or so. I, this is a total non sequitur, but if I. If any of your listeners like have an idea for like an ending for a novel, um, <laughs> th- they should it should they should send it to Thirty Rockefeller Center, Seventeenth Floor. It should be about like the length of half of a novel.
4: <laughs> a funny thing that happened once.
0: Did I seem envious just then? Be- because I totally wasn't. I totally wasn't. When I was twenty-five, I too was a writer living in New York. Granted, I wrote people's orders on a little pad of paper, and then I'd serve them food. But I wrote. I was there. You can write, too. Our website is dinnerpartydownload.com. So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. Now, those of you who have listened to this show in the past know that I'm usually joined by my co-host, Rico Galliano. But recently, he got married, and he's been away on his honeymoon. And I've been left here all by myself. But ever since he's been gone, he's been posting all the things he's been eating on our Facebook page. You know, I'll be sitting at my desk, eating stale candy, and I'll look up and Rico's like snacking on gnocchetti with calamari and cinnamon sauce or scallops with lemon and peppermint. Now my first thought was, wow, this food looks amazing. And my second thought was, you know what? If his wife doesn't care that he's Facebooking on his honeymoon, maybe I can get him to do the food segment. So I decided to call him, and here's our conversation. Why the heck are you talking to me on your honeymoon?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Because I am dedicated to public radio. Creepy. Well, Rico, why
0: I'm talking to you is because you've been periodically updating me and some some of our audience on Facebook with this amazing food you've been eating over there.
3: That is true. We took our honeymoon because, you know, it was going to be fun to go through Italy, but it also doesn't hurt that it's one of the best places in the world to eat food, and uh, I've been eating a lot of it. (laughs) I'm um... I'm a much heavier person. (laughs) Italy has changed me, Brendan.
0: You're married now. You can start wearing mom jeans, cut your hair, and get fat. It's okay. That's
3: right. It does not matter at all. (laughs) Do not care what I look like at all.
0: So, so tell me, what have been some of some of the highlights of your food in Italy?
3: I have three three courses. We, the theme is sweet and sour. Uh, we're going to start with an appetizer from Venice called Saur, and it's basically Italian sauerkraut with sardines. Whoa! You know, it's a seafaring town, obviously Venice being on the. I was going
0: to say that's the one that's underwater
3: yeah it's going to be uh, eventually yes but uh, so here's the deal so it, they but since they were seafaring people they had to come up with something that would you know preserve fish for long periods while they were at sea getting uh-huh. seafood this is kind of like a sauerkraut but instead of cabbage you've got onions and it's made with vinegar sugar and then maybe a wine reduction raisins and it's served over marinated sardines wow yeah. So this
0: sounds kind of so, like I was at a Dodgers game the other day. It's kind of like a Dodger dog. You, like, dress it up in onions and cabbage. and <coughs> A little more elegant, though. <laughs> it is, I can
3: guarantee you it is nothing like a Dodger dog. <laughs> all right, all right. Well,
0: they don't have baseball over there.
3: So do uh, you want the second course?
0: Sure. Bring it on.
3: It is, uh, it's a pasta dish. This is from a town outside of Milan called Bergamo. It is a pasta dish called Casanchelli. Okay. Okay and what's special about it is its shape it is a filled pasta that looks like candy in a wrapper huh yeah it's like a, like a, like as if you got a peppermint with a you know the the sort of twisted wrapper around it
0: <laughs> wait so wait in italy do they put a little cavatelli on your pillow in the morning <laughs>
3: <laughs> It's the end of the night <laughs> But here's the thing that's interesting about it. It is actually kind of sweet inside. The filling is mostly breadcrumbs and meat, but it's also got raisins and pear and, like, crushed almond cookies and stuff. Wow. Here's the ultimate one. Yeah,
0: let's get to the third course. Go for it.
3: uh, We're going to Bologna for this. We had a dessert there that actually made my bride cry. (laughs) Wow. Thank God. It got to it before I did. It was a homemade vanilla gelato topped with balsamico, which is wow. Not balsamic vinegar. Balsamic vinegar is like a pale sham of actual balsamico, which is a grape reduction aged in wooden barrels for at least 12 years by law.
0: Oh, my God. I'd love to be that police officer.
3: I know. They, they can't stop the mafia, but damn it, their balsamico <laughs> will be aged for at least 12 years.
0: Well, Rico, you know, thanks so much for taking a break from watching the World Cup. I mean, from being on your honeymoon and uh, chatting with us.
3: Thank you, and uh, if I'm lucky, my wife will not divorce me after uh, having taken the time to do this.
0: Still not sure why I wasn't invited. I don't know who I offended, but uh, I'm going to try not to take it
4: personally.
0: And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. Special thanks to Francis Noonan. He's my middle namesake and my dad. Happy Father's Day, Dad. And now I leave you with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner party. This one is called Sink, Let It Sway, and it's from the band Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin. Bon appétit. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan, and I'm Brendan Francis Noonan,